Let's just uh, praise God once again for that amazing testimony from Pastor John Michael and Sky. You know, that is the supernatural anointing of the Holy Spirit. You know, you can't go into an environment that's as hard as asphalt and, you know, it's hard like a rock and go in, go in there and within, you know, 12, 24 hours, you know, see the hearts of people whose hearts are like stone uh, opening up and embracing the love of God, embracing the power of the Holy Spirit. You can't, you can't just make that happen. It's only by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And so, you know, as John, Pastors John Michael and Scott were sent out from our church to go, they were also sent out with the anointing of the Holy Spirit, with the graces necessary to see the breakthroughs that God had ordained. This is a powerful thing. I'm just tempted to uh, just, just uh, postpone my message and just like pray for the college students. <clears throat> Ask God for a specific prompting if you wanted me to do that. But uh, if I stop in the middle of my message, maybe I'll do that. Who knows? Who knows? But, uh, yeah, you know, for some, some of you college students, uh, you know, you might be very new uh, to a church that's open and embracing of the Holy Spirit's power. Uh, and if that's you, hey, welcome to the club. All of us have a very similar testimony uh, the majority of us did not grow up in a uh, spirit-filled, charismatic, Pentecostal, whatever label you want to use. When it comes down to it, we don't think it's charismatic Christianity. We just think that this is Christianity. And just a bunch of supposed smart people made up theories that God doesn't move in this way anymore. But there's a large portion of the body of Christ that's experiencing the same power of the Holy Spirit that you read about in the book of Acts. God's still moving, and so don't miss out. Don't miss out. God's a lot more fun than you think. He's got a better sense of humor than your uncle. Or your, you know, if your father's a pastor, whatever, you know, like not that your father doesn't have a sense of humor. I'm sorry. <clears throat> uh, today, I'm, I'm going to keep to a 35-minute hand clap, so once Jaya lifts up the 35-minute mark. She's going to lift up her sign nice and high above her head. I want everyone to just go ahead and clap, and so I'll close up the message, all right? I'll, I'll try to be a commitment keeper. <clears throat> oh, I need the grace of God. All right, turn to Psalm 1611. I'll preach to you a... Uh, Simple message that's very key. It's very key. Look at Psalm 16, 11. It's a great memory verse, by the way. If you ever want to memorize a verse, memorize this. And in the ESV, this is very well worded. So I'm going to read it in the ESV. Psalm 16, verse 11. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Everybody say, in your presence. The Bible says, in God's presence, there is fullness of joy. Not just little trickles of joy, but fullness of joy. In his presence, there are pleasures forevermore. You know, God's presence is very powerful. God's presence can get people healed of physical diseases, mental illnesses, depression. God's power, God's presence is powerful. And, and when people are in God's presence, they sense the love of God. They sense the peace of God, the assurance of God. God's presence is very powerful. But did you know that your presence is also very important and very powerful? No, I'm not here to, to preach some man-centered message. No, that's not what I'm doing. I'm preaching to you wisdom. It may not sound religiously right, but listen, I'm going somewhere today. Your presence is important and powerful. In God's presence, there's fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. But how about in your presence? 
How will people finish that sentence? In Gina's presence, there is. In Louis' presence. In David's presence. In Sam Keel's presence, there is dot, dot, dot. How will people finish that sentence? Or maybe people can't even finish that sentence. Because most of the time when they spend time with you, your mind is off somewhere else. Today I want to talk about the discipline of being fully present. That's the title of my sermon. This revelation being unpacked by Pastor Benjamin. So I'm going to give you my, uh, my own version of that little teaching. The discipline of being fully present. Now let me confess up front that I'm no expert in this matter. In fact, I plan to re-listen to this sermon and I will work hard to apply it to my life. Because in this room, I may be the one that needs it the most. I am very goal-oriented. So I tend to be focused on the things that I need to do, even when I'm spending time with the people I love. <clears throat> now, I love doing work and being productive, but the sad part is I don't do it when I'm scheduled to do it. See, when I'm scheduled to do work, I get very distracted and I procrastinate a lot. So it spills over into the times when I should be spending quality time with people. Instead of being fully present with them, I'm thinking about all the things that I need to do that I procrastinated. I, I feel like I have to pre- play catch up because of my lack of discipline. And I need desperate, desperately not only to discipline myself to do the work when I'm scheduled to do it, but I need to discipline myself to give my undivided attention To the people that I'm spending time with. To be fully present when I'm with people. This is not something that comes automatic. Even if you are people-oriented, sanguine personality, you know, even if you have a sanguine personality, this does not come automatic. This is a discipline that we all need to learn. When we can discipline ourselves to be fully present, then we can harness the power of our presence. Maybe you never thought of it this way. But let me tell you something, your presence is powerful. Because Christ is in you, whether people recognize it or not, your presence is powerful. Because the anointing of the Holy Spirit is upon you, your presence is powerful. Because you have the ability to manifest God the Father to others, your presence is powerful. Do not underestimate the power of your presence. If you abide in Christ and He abides in you, your presence it's powerful. You won't be able to even help it. You can't turn it off. But you know, many p- young people these days are not harnessing the power of their presence because they lack the discipline to be fully present. In preparing for the sermon, I did some research on ADD. Attention deficit disorder. Not that I thought I had it. I was just curious. So I did a little research. In 1994, doctors changed ADD to ADHD, Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. But ADD is still what's widely used. Now, different countries diagnose it in different ways. In the UK, they have a very narrow definition. So they say that about 1% of their children are thought to have ADD. In America, they have a much more broad diagnosis, broad definition. So in America, about 10% of all children are described as having ADD. Current estimates suggest that 1 to 5%, 1 or 1 or 5%, up to 5% of the world's population suffers from ADD. And check this out, about five times more likely in boys than in girls. According to WebMD, there are many symptoms of ADD And they're categorized into two categories. One is inattention, and the other is hyperactivity. Let me go over inattention. Let me just read to you some of the symptoms here. Easily distracted by irrelevant stimuli and frequently interrupting ongoing tasks to attend to trivial noises or events that are usually ignored by others. 
Amen. Inability to sustain attention uh, on tasks or activities. Frequent shifts from one uncompleted activity to another. Procrastination. Frequent shifts in conversation, not listening to others. Not keeping one's mind on conversation. And not following details or rules of activity in social situations. These are some of the inattention symptoms of ADD. Here are some hyperactivity symptoms. Fidgeting, squirming when seated. If anyone's right now shaking your leg, stop that. Second, getting up frequently to walk or run around. Three, having difficulty playing quietly or engaging in quiet leisure activities. Number four, being always on the go. Number five, talking excessively. (laughs) WebMD says ADHD is common in children and teens, but adults can also have it. Listen to this. In adults, there may be some variation in symptoms. For instance, an adult may experience restlessness instead of hyperactivity. In addition, adults with ADHD consistently have problems with interpersonal relationships and employment. Now, maybe you're not getting fired from your job because of certain symptoms, ADD-like symptoms that you have. Maybe your friends are not walking away from you because of certain ADD symptoms like ADD like symptoms you might have. But is it still affecting your job? Is it still affecting your relationships? Some of the patterns that we've mindlessly taken on. ADD treatment involves various forms of medication. Ritalin, Adderall, Prozac, Zoloft. If you saw the movie um, Silver Lining, Silver Lining, Silver Lining Playbook. It's a funny movie, very funny movie. Not for children, though, all right? Just for the adults. Very funny movie, but yeah, in, in, the, in the movie, these two characters exhibit all the symptoms of ADD. It's very, very in your face. And they're adults. And they're living in Philly. Anyway, <clears throat> and that has nothing to do with me. Actually, Pastor Erin confessed that when she was in college, she took Adderall to study for her finals. Because it helps you to focus. It's something that young people in our generation, we struggle with. But medicine only treats the symptoms that people have, not the disease. Once the people come off the drugs, the symptoms often return. So along with medication, doctors will uh, prescribe behavioral therapy. And for parents, they're advised to get their children who might exhibit symptoms involved in things like sports to get them disciplined and to build their confidence and social skills. Now, let me tell you something. I might have a a few symptoms of ADD, but I took karate when I was a kid, taekwondo, and wrestling. If I didn't have those things, I don't know where I would be. (laughs) Now, before you go diagnosing yourself with ADD, let me tell you that I think what I see among the youth of this generation is not just some ADD disease that's being caused by the preservatives in your food. But this is an old strategy of the enemy to keep us from the power of our presence. One phrase that you're often hear in our generation is, I'm bored. So boring. <sighs> Especially people in the church. They're, they're constantly bored. And I believe that there are two reasons for this. Number one, I believe that this generation has the greatest capacity for influence than any other generation that has preceded it. We are built. We are made for more. And so when we get bored, we get bored quickly. We're like, man, I don't want to waste my time with this stuff. We have little patience, but it's not because we're impatient. It's because we're passionate. We're a passionate generation. We're destined to do more. And when our leaders are not directing us in that way, we get bored very easily. 
That's one, one, one explanation. Second, I, I believe Satan knows this truth, the first truth. So he is out constantly making us respond to our boredom by pulling us away from the discipline of being fully present. Satan is constantly harassing us and keeping us from being fully present. And I, I want to read a quote from Pastor Benjamin's book. Don't worry, okay? Forgot to bring the book. He has a very, very vivid image of what our generation is struggling with. On page 24 of Pastor Benjamin's new book, he says this. After Cain killed his brother Abel, God pronounced a terrifying judgment upon him. He says in Genesis 4, you will be a restless wanderer on the earth. Then the Bible says, Cain went out from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod. Everybody say Nod. Nod. The word Nod in Hebrew literally means wandering. So Cain wandered outside the presence of the Lord. He found that he had no direction, no goal, no purpose, no fulfillment. And he spent the rest of his life wandering. The story of Cain teaches us that wandering and restlessness, they go together. A restless person is one who cannot relax because she is anxious or bored. And because she is anxious and bored, she continues to move, either in body or in mind. Boredom and anxiety are both symptoms of a failure to recognize the power of the present. And their result is always restlessness. Restlessness leads to wandering and wandering leads to more restlessness. And the one who wanders never finds what he's looking for because he has no idea what it is. Our generation is not meant to dwell in the land of Nod. Amen? We are not to wander around the desert. We are to enter into God's promises. But Satan is attacking our, our young people through restlessness and wandering. And our generation is just suffering from this. PB said, boredom and anxiety are both a failure to recognize the power of the present. The power of the here and now. Uh, you ever watch the movie Back to the Future? Any of the college students, you guys watch Back to the Future? Marty McFly, man, that's a good movie. All right, you need to watch that movie if you haven't watched it. Let's go on iTunes, look up Back to the Future. I'm sure it's like 99 cents or something. <laughs> go rent it. It's a good movie. Anyway, in the movie, Marty McFly, he gets into this car, and, he, and the car enables him to try time travel to the past. In the first movie, he goes to the past. In other sequels, he, he's able to also go to the future. And Pastor Benjamin talks about how many people today, they live their lives like Marty McFly did in Back to the Future. They're constantly time traveling. And the two vehicles that they use is shame and fear. Shame takes us into the past where we continue to relive things from the past. Fear takes us into the future where we continue to relive things that we are worried are going to come. We think that if we can work through the past and prepare for the future... We can secure happiness. But this is a lie. Pastor Benjamin said it like this. Happiness is not found in the past or in the future. Happiness is only found in the present. Until we learn how to be present, we will never learn how to be happy. Come on, young people. All the single people. You know, when I was single, all I used to talk about was marriage. I was like, when I get married, I'll be so happy. I was always looking forward to marriage. I didn't struggle with much shame, so I didn't do much time traveling going backward. But I was always time traveling forward. And then once I got married, I was very happy. <laughs> I became very happy. Okay. I think I might stop that example there. Okay. I don't know, I don't know where I was going with that. Hey. Hey, what I'm trying to say is, 
Whether you're single or married, be happy where you are at right now in the present. You know, I'm pretty happy right now married, but when I think back to when I was single, I was pretty happy then too. There are so many things to be thankful for. Single life is fun. You don't have to tell nobody that you're coming home at whatever time. You know, you could tag along with any group, you know. You go to all the birthday parties. You know, I, I go to about like, I used to go like 30 birthday parties, you know, you know, in two months, you know, something like that. I used to go to everybody's birthday party. These days, man, I go to like 10 in a year. Because you're married. <laughs> I'm not saying marriage life is not fun. All right, look, check this out. My point is, happiness is right here in the present. Be happy where you are now. Stop thinking your happiness is held hostage into your future marriage. Your future marriage is not keeping your happiness hostage. You are. So learn the discipline of being fully present now. And you will unlock secrets of true happiness. We need to take authority over our minds. And we need to. Be fully present so we can drink in all the good things that God is doing around us and discover the central reality that God is with us and he is always with us now. Even when you do healing and deliverance, the revelation is not that God was with you then. The revelation is that God is, was with you always, which includes the present. The Bible calls him Emmanuel, God who is with us. The reason why you don't maybe feel the presence of God in your life right now is not because God is not fully present. It's because you're not. It's not like God, you know, when, he, when, he, when you spend time with him, God's all distracted. You know? You know, when we get together like this on a Sunday service, God's not up in heaven watching TV. Oh, what's going on down there? What's all that noise about? What's going on? That don't seem as interesting as what I'm watching on TV right now. God's not like that. God gives us our, his undivided attention. He is omnipresent. You might be like, oh, no, no, I think God is with Jisoo right now. Oh, God is with Danny right now. Oh, God, the, God can't be present with me, and you're wrong. He's omnipresent. He's God. Because he's God, he can be present with every single one of you in all of your quiet times on the same morning at the same time. The Bible says in his presence, there is fullness of joy. But a lot of times our mantra is there is in, in, in my future breakthroughs, there is fullness of joy. Uh, in my answer prayers, there is fullness of joy. No, the fullness of joy is in his presence. Now, don't get me wrong. We need to take time to process and to plan. Okay. There is a time and place for that. But we also need to recognize that there is a time and place to be fully present. Too many people process and plan so much that they forget to live life. They forget to enjoy life. They forget, they forget to see and notice how green the leaves are. How nice your wife's uh, hair looks today. You're, you're, you look very nice today, honey. Too busy processing and planning that you're not living. And a lot of times, Pastor Benjamin pointed out, the only time young people are fully present is when they're complaining about the present. And when you grumble about the present, it either pushes you back to the good old days or pushes you forward of the good things that are to come. And you feel like you can't be happy in the here and now. Stop being so restless. You are not to live like Cain. You know, you can't enjoy life and relationships if you don't discipline yourself to be fully present. You know, a lot of people take this restlessness into marriage, this pattern. And you know what? It contributes to divorce. We, we are a generation that we need to learn how to be fully present. You know, the irony is 
We have smartphones, laptops, social media. All these things are supposed to keep us better connected with people. But usage of these things with no self-control is actually making us more disconnected. You might be connected with 200 people that are following your Instagram. But you're failing to connect with your wife. She's eating right there before you. She made this delicious and beautiful food. But you're too busy taking a picture of it. (laughs) That you don't notice that she's annoyed. She's like, put that phone down and eat and enjoy this. Be here. Husband, be here. And you're like, which which filter should I use? (laughs) You know, you can boast about having all these friends on Facebook. You might be connected with all these multitudes of people. But if it's at the expense of the people who matter most in your life, that's foolishness. You know... I think my attention span has gotten shorter in recent years. I think it's because of my social media patterns. Unfortunately, they spilled over into my life. You know, think about it. How long do you look at a typical Facebook status update? It's like as fast as you can flick your finger. Right? Or even if there's something interesting, you don't always click through and read the article. You know, our attention span on social media is so short. And it's training our brains to do the same thing in real life. And so we got to guard our hearts against that. The answer to our ADD symptoms is not medicine. The answer is to learn the discipline of being fully present. You know, even kids that get diagnosed with ADD, the long-term solution for them is behavioral therapy. What is that? It's discipline. You got to discipline these children and train their minds to focus and to be fully present. So three ways you can be fully present. Number one, be fully present when you are in God's presence. Number two, be fully present when you come before God's word. And number three, be fully present when you are with people who matter the most to you. Okay, so I'm going to unpack these. Number one, be fully present when you are with God. When you come before God, whether it's alone in your quiet times or corporately with the church, be fully present. Give God your undivided attention. Amen? Everybody say undivided attention. You know, I remember I used to go to NYU and we, Campus Crusade, we would host these big college retreats. 120, 100 students will come out to these retreats. And it would be so sad. There would be certain college students, the entire time at the retreat, they'll skip out on seminars, they'll skip out on worship, or they'll walk out of worship early. You know what they're doing? Back then, not everybody had cell phones. They were at the pay phone. Some people had cell phones, by the way. I had a cell phone back then. But anyway, (laughs) a lot of these underclassmen, they would be on the pay phone talking to people who are not at the retreat. They were restless. They couldn't be fully present. When the, when they didn't, what they didn't understand was there were like 10, 20 people that were praying for them to be at that retreat. And they came, but they didn't come. They weren't actually there. They were present, but they weren't there. And that used to sadden me, really sadden my heart. We need to learn how to come before God, whether it's alone or with his people. We need to learn and train ourselves to be fully present. The main event isn't on your smartphone. It's happening right here. What's interesting during worship is not watching people raise their hands. It's raising your hands yourself. Be fully present. You know, sometimes we raise our hands in faith. We don't feel nothing. You know, it might be hard for you to sing that day. But sometimes you do it in faith. You do it in faith, and then your heart and mind starts to follow. Psalm 131 verse 2 says, I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. Does anyone know what a weaned child is? 
Okay, can someone explain that to me? Cause I, I, I really don't know the clear definition. <laughs> is, it, is it when you have uh, graduated the child out of breastfeeding? Oh, that's weaned. Yeah, finished breastfeeding, yeah. You know, when, when, a, when a child is brand new, you breastfeed that child. There's a purpose to why that mother is holding that child close. It's to feed that baby. But when that child is weaned, there is no more functional reason why the mother will hold that child close. But you know what? It's all the more important that they, that they do so. Because once they're weaned, it's not about getting milk. It's about just receiving the love of that mother. Just being a baby. You're not going for, for any milk. You're just, you're just there. Like a weaned child. No agenda. A weaned child. That's what the psalmist says. I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with his mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. If I say weaned child. When you are with God, be fully present. Don't play phone tag with God for the rest of your life. You know, God doesn't want to just leave you a voicemail or send you a text message about your calling. So you can just go out and do his mission. God is more interested in just simply spending time with you. Give him your undivided attention. Be fully present. Number two, be fully present before his word. When you come before the scriptures, it's very important that you be fully present. And I think this is an area uh, that we really struggle with. And I think that's why Pastor Benjamin wrote this book. So this whole book is about meditation. And it's not just any old meditation that looks like some kind of Buddhist form of meditation or you know, all these other ancient forms of meditation that some people are kind of uh, iffy about. This is simply meditation on scripture. It teaches you how to meditate on scripture. So I'm not promoting his book because we ran out. You can't even buy it today. Maybe you can buy some at the retreat if you bring some. But you should get a hold of the principles of this book. If you're a small group leader and you're learning it, then pass it on to your small group members. This is an area that our generation really is unfamiliar with. How to meditate and be fully present before scripture. Pastor Benjamin says, sit with the word of God like you would sit with a friend. Don't try to just figure it all out. It's all right if you don't understand what you're reading. You know, when you don't understand what your friend is saying, you don't get all frustrated. Oh, I got to leave, man. I can't hang out with you. (laughs) You don't do that. Don't do that with scripture. Just sit there and be fully present. If you find unbelief in your heart, then confront that. Repent of it and let God burn away your doubts. Spend time meditating on scripture. God commands Joshua to do it if he's going to be successful. He says in Joshua 1.8, the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. But you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. If you want success in all the things that you've been called to do. A key is to meditate on the scriptures. Psalm 1 talks about the man who meditates on the word of God. He is like a tree planted by streams of water. Which yields his fruit in season. His leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Philippians 4.8 says, Brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, then think about such things. Meditate. Meditate on the word of God. Meditate and be fully present when you come before the word of God. Third, be fully present when you are with people who matter the most to you. You know, whenever I go down to Tegu, every uh, Chuseok, Korean Thanksgiving and Chinese New Year's, uh, it's a tradition of Korean families to go down and, and go to their hometowns and spend time with their family. So my hometown is Tegu. So my dad's side of the family is all down there. And whenever I go, five more minutes, Chia. Give me five more minutes. <laughs> Whenever I go, my cousins will, will come, and they will be present, but they will not be present. Whenever the food comes out, they'll eat. 
And then they'll just go right back to their smartphones. They won't talk to me. They won't talk to Aaron. They won't talk to my uncles. They won't talk to each other. They're restless. They're wandering. We only see them twice a year. Sometimes I just want to smack them. But like, Josh, you know, if you're gathered with family, be here. Be here. But you know what? I, I don't smack them. You know why I don't smack them? I feel like a hypocrite. Because <laughs> two-thirds of the time, I feel that same restlessness. You know? I'm like trying to talk to my uncle, and because my uh, Korean language skills are not that strong, we don't get the conversation going very far. But, but this past time we've visited, we actually, he started opening up. Holy Spirit was moving. There was power in, in, our, in our presence. And Aaron was like doing this, and my uncle just kept opening up, opening up about, about God and everything. And he's my kunabaji. So if he comes to Christ, that's done. The whole family's coming to Christ. <laughs> and he's asking us about all these different things. Anyway, but when the conversation stopped and there's silence, what do I do? I take out my iPhone. <sighs> I, don't, I, want, I need to fill this silence. I need to do something. I procrastinated too much last week. I got to catch up. I feel this restless and it keeps me being, from being fully present. But the same little cousins that I'm judging, you know, I'm doing the same thing. And I'm struggling with the same thing in one sense. Here's a phrase that I, I, I read from Pastor Benjamin's book. Learn how to drop an anchor. When you spend time with people who matter the most to you, stop being restless. Stop wandering. Just drop an anchor. You know, when a... Big old ship drops the anchor. It ain't going nowhere. And even if they want to start moving somewhere, it takes time to pull up that anchor. We need to learn when we spend time with people who we love, we need to just drop an anchor and just, and just learn to be fully present with them. Being fully present is going to enrich your relationships. And you know what? The truth of the matter is relationships is what makes life enjoyable. If on your wedding day, this is a bit of a confession. If on your wedding day, you struggle with who you want on your wedding bridal party, it's no one else's fault but you. Because you didn't invest in the friendships. You weren't selective. You weren't fully present with those friends long enough for them to stick out to you as the ones that would matter the most. You know, there, there are people that get asked to be on bridal parties and they, they say yes because they feel bad. And you don't want to be one of the people, right? You don't want, you know, half of your bridal party, they're only there because, you know, they feel me on it. They feel sorry that you don't have any other friends to ask. Right? You don't want that, right? But that's, that's your own responsibility is to build up those kinds of relationships, those enriching relationships that make the, the key moments of your life matter. You can't have those enriching relationships unless you learn how to be fully present. And, you know, when I'm in my seminary classes, I really struggle with being fully present. When I sit there in my seminary class, I get too easily distracted and bored. Some of it is not all my fault. <laughs> but I have no excuses. I, I just sit there and give the professor my undivided attention, but I don't. A lot of times, I just start going off, doing something else on my laptop. And, you know, it's, I'm living a deception because I'll pretend I'm paying attention. And, you know, that doesn't work. The professor knows what's going on. But, you know, for the arena, I still do it. And, you know, I feel responsible for spreading this attitude to my classes, classmates. I don't know if I'm responsible, but I feel responsible. Because they know I'm a pastor. Some of them know I'm a pastor. And so, I, you know, I, I have a greater rate of responsibility. And if I'm acting like a... You know, like a, I'm acting like Cain. I'm just restless throughout the class. They're thinking, oh, man, I, this guy I look up to is doing it. Well, why not for me? And so it's really sad. The four classes that I have this semester, every single one of those lectures I sat through thus far, the professors cannot break in because everybody is just dead. They're, they're completely divided. They're, they're somewhere else. They're not, none of them, like barely any of them are fully present, except a couple that have a very soft and tender conscience like, John Newfield. <laughs> Other than them, man, everyone else is just somewhere else. And 
it negatively affects me. It disables me from learning. It dishonors my professors. You know, I know because I feel the same way when y'all do it to me when I'm speaking. You know, you, you think I can't notice? You know, I got, I got my glasses upgraded the other day, my, my, my prescription. I can see the back clearly now. I know what all y'all are doing. You know, you, you on your, you're on your phone like this, and uh-huh, amen. That doesn't fool me. I can tell. I can tell. It's weird, but I can tell. I, and I have to forgive you after my sermons, because some of y'all, you know, y'all just like completely distracted. Don't do that. And that's talking to me too. I need to stop doing that. I need to learn how to be fully present when I am with people, and even in my seminary studies, I need to learn how to be fully present. You need to be, learn how to be fully present at the Friday Fire prayer meetings. Yeah, go ahead. And uh, Sunday swims. All right, we're going to wrap it up. Ooh. All right, I'm going I'm to I'm wrap it up here. I'm going to end right here. I'm going to end right here. But I'm going to give you three practical points. I'm going to give you three practical points, all right? Be fully present with, with God. Be fully present before his word. Be fully present with people that matter most, right? Here are some, just three practical applications. Number one is be early. Now, for some people, naturally, it's easier for them to be punctual. Other people, they have to struggle. But you know what? All of us should not have any excuses. We need to learn how to be on time. And you know what? If you really want to be fully present, be early. A lot of times, I'll be early by accident. And I'll be like, what is this? What do I do? <laughs> and I'll get on my smartphone and it's game over. <laughs> you know, but if you will intentionally be early, you're actually training your mind to be fully present. And when you uh, go early, it can actually set you up for a divine appointment with somebody. Or perhaps not even with somebody, you're just there by yourself. It could be a divine appointment with God. You know, I've had some of the greatest revelation when I accidentally went early. Or I, I didn't know what time it re- actually started and I accidentally got there early. And, I, and sometimes I don't get on my phone or my phone battery runs out or something like that. And I got nothing to do except talk to God. And in those moments, it's powerful. And if you would turn, learn to discipline yourself to do that intentionally more regularly, imagine all the powerful divine appointments you have with people and with God. Don't get on your smartphone. That's, that's, the, that's the mentality of Cain. All right. Give priority to talking to God or talking to others who are early as well. Another pra- uh, and that's harnessing the power of your presence. You have to believe that there's power in your presence when you minister to others, when you spend time with others. And you have to also believe that God delights in your presence when you come before him. Second is embrace silence. They say that silence is golden. Silence is golden. When you are silent in someone's presence, it communicates that you're not in a rush. You don't have an agenda. So embrace silence. Communicate to the other person that you simply want to be fully present with them. I just want to spend time with you. You know, like uh, if you ever start dating or you get into a romantic relationship, you know, People, they're scared of the silence. They think, oh no, I thought we had chemistry, but there was silence today at the date. <laughs> Pastor, Pastor Christian, I don't know if I can do this anymore. <laughs> Pastor Christian, I don't, I don't know if I'm interested anymore. There's too much silence in our date. There's too much awkwardness. <laughs> Awkward turtle. <laughs> they were everywhere. I don't know what to do. I don't think this is the one. I don't think this is the one. I don't think this is right. No, 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 no. The rude awakening is when you get married, there's going to be a lot of awkward silence. Look, that's not a sign that you're not supposed to marry that person, all right? It's simply a discipline of what are you going to do with that sign? Are, are you going to communicate that you enjoy being with them? Or are you going to start getting on your cell phone and seeing what your buddies are, are up to? All your buddies who are single, by the way. <laughs> Haven't had a date for 10 years. <laughs> And you're trying to get advice from them. What should I do? What should I do? Man, don't take advice from them. (laughs) Take advice from a godly married man in the house of God. Anyway, all right. 
Embrace silence. And third is empathize. Empathize. One way that you can be fully present with somebody is not try to solve their problems. You know, sometimes when people pour out, especially women, when women pour out their issues to you, the last thing they want is a solution. All the men, y'all need to get this. When a woman pours out her heart, she actually, the last thing she wants is for you to be like, well, I think you should do three things. This is what's wrong with your thinking. This is what, what you're lacking. Oh, uh, that would, that girl would ice, ice woman on you real quick. Don't do that. Better thing that you want to do is be fully present. And when you're fully present, one thing that can help you if you're kind of getting distracted is try to empathize. See what that person is feeling. Or ask God, Lord, help me to feel what they're feeling. Help me to feel their pain. That's what the cross of Jesus Christ is all about. Jesus empathized with the weight of sin that this world carries. He empathized. He, he, He understood what we feel, the pain, the temptations, the struggle. And he overcame that for us. That means if you are a believer in the cross of Jesus Christ, you believe in Christ, that means there is no pain that's too overwhelming for you to sympathize with. God has sympathized with every, has compassion on every one of your pain and burdens. If you really get healed from all of that, now you have the ability to do that for someone else. That's why Pastor Sky was able to go through healing and deliverance sessions left and right at at the retreat in Virginia. You know, when I first learned about healing and deliverance ministry, that's what I did too. There are all these students at, at this one college retreat. They came up to me. There was like a long line of them after I taught this seminar about healing and deliverance. And they were just pouring out all their issues with homosexuality. They're pouring out all these issues with their fathers, with their mothers and fathers. A lot of PKs crying. They don't even understand why they, they hate God so much. And you just you lead them through healing and deliverance. And you feel the weight of their, uh, of their pain, their struggle, but you don't get overwhelmed. Because Christ is in you, the hope of glory. Christ is providing hope through you. So, so learn to empathize. You know, the cool thing is, you can even empathize with God. I don't know if you ever thought of it that way. But you know, God has emotions. God is not an Aristotelian God who is up there impassable, according to these Greek philosophers. God has emotions. We're created in his image. You see the, the, you see the emotions right here? Well, you know, some of you are more emotional than others. But the emotions that you have, that's actually an image of God. It's a reflection of who God is and how he's like. Look at the Bible. Read through the Bible. God gets happy. God gets angry. God has a sense of humor. God feels the emotion. Jesus, when he was on the earth... He was not this impassable God who just had the form of human flesh. Now, the Bible says he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was, he, was, he was agonizing about going to the cross. He felt every drop of pain and anguish and anxiety. But he overcame the cross for you and for me. One thing you can do is you can empathize with God. When you come into God's presence, one thing you can say is, God, what's on your heart? Let me feel what's on your heart. Lord, sometimes I feel so apathetic to the people around me. Lord, can you show me what you're feeling for them? When you tap into that empathy, the love of God then compels you to minister to people and to speak life over people. And that's why I think um, going to K1 prayer tab is really special. When you go to K1 prayer tab, we have, a, we have our church, we have a prayer tabernacle. Tuesday nights and Thursday nights and Wednesday mornings, three sessions a week. We have these, uh, it's like what they do, similar to what they do at IHOP, but it's different, right? But the agenda of going to the K1 prayer tabernacle is not to find out God's call for your life. It's not for you to go and, and hear a good sermon. It's not for you to go and, and, and praise with a bunch of people. The whole thing is to be fully present before God. And to minister to his heart and then to pray his heart. In other words, to empathize 
You know that song lyrics, Hosanna? Break my heart for what breaks yours. Everything I am for your kingdom cause. As I rise from <laughs> earth into eternity. Break my heart. Break my heart for what breaks yours. That's beautiful right there. That's what it means to be fully present before God, before his word, before the people you love the most. Learn to be fully present. Learn to be fully present. Let us pray. Why don't we all stand to our feet as we, uh, we're going to sing this last song of praise. I don't know what's on your heart today. I don't know what struggles you might be going through. Maybe there's hardships in your family. Maybe there are frustrations over delayed dreams. I don't know what you're going through today. But what the good news I want to share with you is you don't have to go through it feeling like the presence of God is absent in your life. The last thing God wants you to feel is that you go through something difficult and the whole time you feel like God is absent. That's the last thing God wants you to feel. You know, there, there might be mature believers that sometimes God will give them maybe long periods where it feels like God's not answering. But even that is all to set them up for intimacy. If you will learn to discipline yourself to be fully present before God, what you will realize is God is always with you. He was with you. He is with you. He will always be with you. He is God Emmanuel. So I'm going to give you an opportunity just to pray right now. I want everyone just to just to pray and just ask God, Lord, discipline my mind, discipline my attention so that I can be fully present, that I can be fully present before you. Lord, teach me to be fully present before you. Let's start praying that all over the room right now. Come on, church. Come on.